Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Keeping Your House Warm, where we talk uh, property related things all around New Zealand, maybe sometimes overseas, depends on what the stories are, um, in hopes that uh, we find some really funny and extreme stories. Um, but right off the bat, not really about property. Congrats, Keelan, on buying a new car. <laughs> I mean, do we, do we really have to talk about, I mean, the fact that I got a car, is that not is that is that really property news? Nah, you you'll see my plan. You, oh, yeah. you'll, you'll see my okay. grand grand scheme of things when you when you start talking about your car. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, if you must know, I did I did buy myself a little MG. Um, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't by choice. I, I'm gonna make that really clear out there. It wasn't by choice, but I mean, it's the best option than what I got, and I mean, it's a lot more fuel efficient than my last car. But you know. I just want to make it really clear that if I still had the other car, I would have preferred to have kept that. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to complain about this at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with the way fuel prices are going at the moment, um, it's not it's not a bad option. It's not a bad thing to happen. But, yeah, so. Uh, just a yeah. side note, everyone, the reason why he had to buy another car was because his old car crashed got into. crashed into. So yep. he kind of needs it to get to work and uh, do this podcast. Otherwise, it'll just be me, and that would just be super boring. Yeah, it'd um, kind of be pretty sad for you just to sit there and have I to have know, a conversation with yourself. You myself, know? Talking to myself. Um, <laughs> but the reason why I wanted to bring cars into this mix is that since last year, fuel prices have gone way, way up. Mm -hmm. um, there's an article here, actually our first story, um, from News Hub that says uh, a lot of petrol thefts are happening. Uh, so these drive-offs are up almost 25% according to um, this article. So in one year, 25% of petrol thefts have gone on. And they said that 37% of these offenders were first-timers. So to me, it just sounds like the, that sudden huge increase in fuel price is sort of driving people to be really desperate to mm. the point where they just they can't you know, afford the fuel anymore and they just drive off. Yeah, and I mean, for, 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 for people outside of the country, uh, I would say that before before most recent times, you know, fuel prices were probably only sitting below $3 a litre. Uh, and uh, now we're peaking up to around that $3.50. So for this country, that is really expensive. Yeah. Um, I mean, even over in Australia, they're still only sitting at $2 a litre. They're still sitting like half the cost. Well, even with the currency exchange, that would still be less than what we're paying now in New Zealand. Yep, hundred percent. And um, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people, it's just become a fact that yeah, you need that fuel to get to work or to do your jobs, like whether it be that you're self-employed or something like that. Um, possibly not the people doing driving off in these deals are self-employed. I think that might be a little bit silly, but yeah. yeah so I think it's created that bit of desperation out there, hasn't it? Mm. I mean, the only way for them to do it is to steal not yeah. condoning it not condoning it or anything no no not at all but it, it is a sad uh, sad fact at the moment the past few months it has eased off a bit because um, mm -hmm. the government decided to at least pay some of that fuel tax so um, it, it did go down around a two dollar mark it did it sat there for a, for a good couple of weeks actually and that was really a yeah. good reprieve for the but country <laughs> now it's slowly going back up i think the government again is running out of money um, so they can't afford to keep paying this tax. Do you think the, the the war in Ukraine is having a big effect on this? I mean, I think there's there's definitely cases pushing for it being the reason, and there is definitely a lot of people saying, oh, nah, it's just the fact that fuel companies want to charge more money. Mm. Um, I, I would say that the easiest solution here is just that, yeah, the, the war in Ukraine, the war in Ukraine has certainly done something to affect this country. And a lot like all the others, that increased presence here in that country. You know, you've got a fuel tanks, you've got a fuel jets, 
transport vehicles, the whole shebang. That's obviously going to require more petrol and stuff to be able to actually move all of that. Mm. So yeah, definitely, there's going to be a lot more demand for fuel in Europe right now for that exact reason. And I think that's definitely just being felt back here. Um, for New Zealand in particular, though, I don't think that is the only reason. Um, being most recently that, you know, we've we've just come out of a really long lockdown. We're starting to now feel the hurt on everything that was, you know, saved for this country back during the COVID lockdowns. So, I mean, this was kind of, this and a multitude of other things was always going to come, but it's just hit us a lot sooner <laughs> than what we were hoping. Yeah, and I think a lot of people um, in New Zealand, they weren't aware of the consequences of the government printing out so much money and inflation going up due to the, the COVID relief. And the thing is, the government did have to sort of bail us out in a way because otherwise the country would go broke. Oh, honestly, yeah. I think I think they did the right thing at the time. I, my personal opinion is that the government did the exact right thing at the time because so many people would have been homeless. So yeah. many people would have been homeless and far worse off than they are now. Because, I mean, if that wasn't the case and the government had spent so much money saving everybody at that time, there would be we would be in a lot worse of a state now yeah. because there would be so many more people defaulting on loans back then, back during the COVID pandemic. We still didn't suffer a single housing default, mortgagee sale at that time. Every bank in New Zealand went out of their way just to issue interest only or um, suspended payments temporarily for those really, really heavily hardly hit. So, you know, I think everybody in New Zealand, every major institution of the government did the right thing at the time. And it's just unfortunately that now they have to recover that, right? It's yeah. they, they haven't got bottomless pits of money. And so now it's just that we're all going to start feeling the hurt slowly. Uh, cost of living and everything's going to go up most likely for the next wee while while we just start to recover all that money that we've lost. And it's the same with that OCR rate, which we talked last week, right? Had to go up. It was going to, it was, it was eventually going to come up to a point where they had to start recovering some of those funds. And just like with any injury or illness, the recovery time is always the thing that's the most painful. Mm. Um, unfortunately, in this case, it is uh, the economy and the way people live in New Zealand. You know, if you have lived in New Zealand for basically your whole life or mm. long enough to notice that the public transport isn't really up to standard, if we're comparing it to something like Sydney or somewhere in Australia, the lifestyle here in New Zealand is you own a car and there's a road, you drive on the road. Well, I can speak quite um, well on the public transport for the last couple of weeks while I've been carless, you know. Um, and I mean, like yesterday, for example, it, it took me two and a half hours to get home because they canceled the buses on my route. Wow. Every single one of them for the whole night. I couldn't get home at all. And it's the same with the weekends. They canceled the buses without any kind of no or any kind of recovery. So it's like... Uh, yeah, so really we don't really have a choice. We do have to use this fuel. Yeah, because we can't rely on anything else, right? You can't rely on the public transport. Trains are probably one of the few things that I can actually count on on time to always get there. And I mean, buses, I kind of understand because mm. buses are still running on the same main roads as all those cars. So if there's traffic on the road, your bus is going to be late. But if your bus doesn't turn up at all... You're walking home. You're, you're walking home, right? <laughs> and I mean, for some people, that's a that's you know, a good 20, 30, 40 Ks from their home. You know, they were waiting and relying on that public transport to be able to get home, you know? Not everybody's got that capability to walk home. There are things that can save you if you don't want to pay that premium fuel price. One thing the government um, has announced or released 
is that they are paying you some money back if you buy an EV car. Yes. I'm not sure how, in the long run, uh, you know, electronic cars would probably save the planet. But in terms of making the car itself and the batteries and the emissions from uh, creating such cars, it's probably around the same. <laughs> I mean, I haven't, I, I don't think, I, I can't really talk on exactly like, you know, the exact how much does an electric car cost to make versus how much it's going to cost to, you know, run in the long run. But I mean, just purely from a, a, a an owner and usage perspective, it's definitely way greener and way cheaper for you to run being just you owning an electric vehicle. But yeah, you're totally right. Um, there may just be the, the actual cost in making them mm. and, you know, replacement parts and everything like that for those kind of things in the long run may end up being a lot more costly. But um, yeah, I did see also as well that, yeah, the, the, that electric EV rebate that they've got going on, which is really good, really pushes people to get into electric cars so that we can kind of uh, try to save on that fuel um, and save it for those who really need it or who have a car that they love that's too old <laughs> to run an electric. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, and I mean, you know, with the way that some people are looking at fuel prices, you know, um, I think there are some uh, petrol station owners out there who are predicting, you know, long running um, petrol station owners that are thinking that fuel prices are probably going to hit above $3.50 a litre. And this is the, the the 91, which is the, the lowest. This is, this is the cheapest one that you can get. Yeah, apart yeah. from diesel. Apart but from diesel. You yeah. don't want to do diesel. Right. So, so you know, if if that's the prediction is that we're going to kind of eventually peak at a 91, uh, 91 fuel reaching over $3.50 a litre, you're going to want to run your car for the only bare essentials. Yeah, and a lot of um, a lot of newer cars these days require the the higher octane ninety five to ninety eight fuel because it is cleaner. And in the lot, if you're wanting to keep this car as your everyday car for let's say f over five years, mm. then it might save you in terms of it'll save your engine. Plus, it'll save you and just maintenance and everything. Just in long terms term. of maintenance, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, going cheap is good in a way. It's, it's a very temporary um, solution to a problem that who knows when will end. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it is unfortunate. It is really unfortunate that that's the way that we're currently going. But, I mean, in positive news, houses are still selling like hotcakes. <laughs> Ooh, cakes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, I mean, we, we spoke last week a little bit more in terms of, you know, whether you choose to do those high house prices or if you choose those low interests and, you know, obviously being flip of that being low interest rates, um, but high house prices. Um, I think if anybody watched last week's one, you might've heard me do a bit of a blunder on that. So I had to double check in my head there for a second, but I didn't <laughs> do that same mistake um, for, for those listening at home and one particular, uh, mm. you know who you are, uh, who provided that nice little commentary to me. Yeah, I can just hear her laughing in her car I can right hear now. her laughing at me right yeah. now, God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, houses are still going like nuts, uh, even with the way things are going. Uh, most recently, I think one of the... Uh, nicer ones that we've seen get flipped um, is a really old um, a Catholic sisters retreat sold for actually a good 2.7 million. Yeah, so this one, um, this story is coming from stuff.co.nz. So it is a very old uh, Catholic sisters retreat. And it did sell for 2.7 million. Um, now the thing with this house is apparently it's the highest located house in Christchurch. And it's huge. It's huge. It's 10.6 hectares worth of land. It's situated on top of Marley's Hill. 
I'm not sure exactly where that is, but from the photos, it looks like it's quite high. It's like up in, up in the mountains somewhere. It's not like some extremely modern, you know, granite no. to- cooktops and everything like that. No. It looks like a really just well-maintained olden house. It yes. looks really good. Yeah. It looks brilliant. I can see why it's sold for 2.7 million. It's worth- Every penny. If the photos are accurate and it hasn't been touched <laughs> or photoshopped. No, then, just gone out with a little pen. Yeah, and definitely. Stuff. Yeah, and it, it is a five bedroom uh, property with two bathrooms, a chapel. Of course, the um, Catholics use that. Apparently a caretaker's residence. I'm not entirely sure what that means. It's probably like a separate uh, living situation for the caretaker. Yeah, for a little groundskeeper um, and everything like that. So yeah, marble breakfast bar. Walk-in oh, so pantry. Get, you still got the marble. Okay, so you know, I take back yeah. my statement. You, yeah. you still get the marble. <laughs> <laughs> it's got study rooms, a tennis court, and of course, the best selling point is the view of the Southern Alps. Mm-hmm. It is stunning. And if any of you guys choose to go out there and have a look at the article, um, you can just see it right there. It's mm. stunning. Such a great view um, yeah. over our lovely South Island. And so the last value for this house was in August 2019 at 1.13 million. So it has gone up quite a bit. Um, I think for me, I would I would love to visit this house. If they do turn it into like a bed and breakfast type of retreat, it would be an awesome sight to see. Um, I really hope they don't develop it. I think they it would be in its best interest if they just kept it the way that it was. A eh? yeah, this they, house, this property is immaculate. I like I said, I would just like to visit for a weekend or a week even. Um, this can is we definitely... top and tail? Yeah. <laughs> can we can we cheap out and just top and tail in a bit? That'd be uh, that'd be good. Mm. I mean, yeah, and and I think it really comes down to who actually bought it. But I think even if they did think that they would try and develop it, like bulldoze it down, I, I have I have a feeling that all the the residents of that area would just yeah not yeah. want to touch it. Um, I mean, this could be a heritage home. It could so, be, yeah. yeah, and they they could just not be able to do anything with it, which I think would be best. It's just they just leave it the way it is because it, it is absolutely brilliant. There are some properties in Auckland even that are heritage homes and, you know, how Auckland is at the moment with everything changes into, you know, all the developments happening all around. I really hope some of these spots don't get sold. Well, I'm really hoping that that Epsom home uh, yes. on Castle Road. Uh, so for those who don't know, there there is an actual literal castle here in Auckland uh, for, for what a developed city it sounds to be. Uh, it is actually got its own very own castle, slap bang in the middle of it on a road called Castle Road. Uh, it's got its own um, little, little castle tower and everything like that with a flag waving at the top. Um, I think it's got like six units on the site and stuff as well. I think this actually might still be up for sale. I don't think anybody's actually bought it yet. But, you know, New Zealand has got some quite wonderful uh, sites. As mm. old as they are, they get really well maintained. And uh, even in Auckland, you can still find wonders like that where they sit there and there. I mean, for, for, for a literal castle slap bang in the middle of Auckland, I think it's pretty funny to yeah. see that it was definitely yeah. up for grabs. Uh, we've definitely considered it here. We've definitely we've definitely posed it to our boss, so the one who's got all the money here. Uh, if we could, uh, we, we could buy that as our new head office. Yeah. Wasn't it sitting at a five million mark? Oh, it was sitting as yeah. dirt cheap for a castle. I, I think I think it's probably the cheapest castle you're going to get <laughs> for, yeah. for New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I mean that like you know New Zealand's full of those places, you know, really lovely, well like heritage listed sites that have just got some really nice scenic views, um, and it would just be really good to see if we could just keep those going and not have anybody come through and bulldoze them because that's what makes New Zealand the way it is, right? Yeah, yeah. It's we do have we do have that um, out. The sort of olden style uh, outdoor feel. Mm. Um, we we don't have that high density 
uh, style yet. Yeah, yet. Um, it, will, it will come, but for now, you know, here in hopes that there are little pockets of New Zealand that we still can get away to, just like that house in, um, in Christchurch. Mm. Um, so moving further south, let's go way south. Wanaka. This story from One Roof, where over 1 million plus houses Apparently, they're, they're calling it drive-by sales. Well, I mean, I can't. I, I don't. I do. I can't I don't think. Know what that I means. can't. I can't think it's that quick. Well, a drive-by sales where you where you literally would just you know you'd walk in, you'd see the house, you'd come in on your first viewing, you'd see it and go, "Yep, cool, we'll take it." So it's that quick. It's like a drive-through at McDonald's. You drive through, you walk up to the window and go, "Yeah, cool, I like that burger. Or I like that house. Cool, I would like to take that, please." Yeah. And you walk out with your sale. Yeah. Um. I, I think the, the hopes for these, uh, so there, there, there were 14 sections, according mm. to this article, and 13 were sold straight away. I think they were, they were hoping um, to advertise it in Auckland if it didn't um, sell that quickly, but it did. In, in a way, they are still selling this, this type of land out south, and Wanaka is a very picturesque in the middle of um, the mountain range mm. touristy area, and it would be lovely to, to live in or just to visit for a holiday. It's, it's a very touristy area. It looks like it, it almost looks like a like if you remove all the houses and the photo, it just definitely looks like something out of some fantasy world, just with the rolling hills and the and the lake and the side. And I think that's probably why these have been going for the price that they have, is because it's you've got that you've got that urban setting. You know, you've got all these houses in these suburbs, but then you look behind yourself and look over the hill, and and look there you go, you've got the rolling mountains behind you. Mm. And um, yeah, and I mean, I can see why people are buying these. You, you can just see why they're going for a million bucks, but. Even then, you know, it just brings up the point that if people have got the money and the people are determined enough, they'll buy no matter what. And I think COVID helped it out a little bit where um, not a lot of people could, you know, obviously leave their home cities to go out and, you know, if they are looking for a, a batch or a little little getaway from their own city. And Wanaka is very, very far away from any city. A big part of it was uh, with COVID happening and a lot of companies being forced to w- uh, let their employees work from home. Um, now that they've seen that you know the, their businesses can still function and make profit if their staff are working from home. So a lot of these guys have moved further away from the city because they can just isolate themselves in, mm. in their own little section of land down in Wanaka and work away. Yeah, I think that, I think it's the case um, practically all over the world now is that we're all switching from um, fix, come to the office, nine to five, go home to a very much um, hybrid or almost entirely remote environment, which is really cool. I think um, Airbnb just announced that they don't have any more offices. So Airbnb, the company which you know rents out homes and stuff like that for batches and holiday homes, they've announced that they're going fully um, remote. So you can work anywhere in the world, um, like literally anywhere, even if the head office is based in America, you could be working out of Sweden or, you know, even Australia, for example, working for the US office, but um, they'll still happily let you work remote and you they won't cut your salary or anything like that, which is brilliant. It's brilliant to see. And, and that kind of yeah, brings right back to your point here is you can live anywhere now and still get your same pay. Like being in Auckland doesn't mean that you'll only get Auckland's pay. Now you can get that Auckland level of pay and live in a really cheap part of the country. Mm. And coming back to um, how they wanted to advertise these properties uh, all the way to Auckland, a lot of Aucklanders are wanting to obviously buy that out-of-town uh, property so they can get away from Auckland City. But in this case, even though uh, Wanaka is so far away, the houses sold for over 1 million. 
So whether it's the We're getting borderline Auckland prices. Yeah, they're now catching up to Auckland prices. I wonder if that's just because, again, the demand is quite high and the, the supply is really low. And also part of it is Wanaka is a great spot to buy a house. Mm, it's lovely. And I mean, I think that, that, that also comes back, yeah, to the fact that yeah, you can work anywhere. If you mm. can work anywhere, why would you want to live in a tiny cramped shoebox of an apartment when you can live in a place with picturesque views and have of the same house price and much much quieter neighborhood oh yes yeah, yeah i yeah. like i like the idea of not hearing cop sirens go past me every night in saying that i probably would get super bored i'm an extrovert and i need people to work with in and around me otherwise i will cry all the time no, I, I thought men aren't supposed to cry <laughs> we're allowed to cry these days oh are we okay okay cool i'll, yeah. I'll start getting best, best, best thing best place to cry is in the shower so then the evidence has gone afterwards oh okay it just goes right down the drain <laughs> oh, yeah 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 okay i remember that um and i mean following on from the whole um wanaka one million dollar properties uh there's a section in queenstown um, which is everybody's favorite tourist destination at the moment mm, i'm going there in august uh, can can i come can i fit sure. in suitcase you can fit in my my lap if you want crunch up into a ball eh? yep another queenstown's uh queenstown property sold six million dollars that's quite a bit that's a lot yep and it's a 3.1 hectare section so it's smaller than the one uh out in christchurch mm-hmm. yep mm, much smaller but more touristy yeah so i mean and i think that comes back to what what you're going to do with it i think if you're going to live in it um six million bucks Ooh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I, think, to, I think the new owners pre-house. are hoping to make some buck out of it by building a hotel or some sort of retreat. Queenstown is sort of, you know, the best place to go to in terms of going down South Island. Queenstown sponsor us, by the way. Yeah, yeah Queen, Queenstown. Please, 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 please sponsor yeah. our show. Fly us down, please, Queenstown. We'll, we'll, we can come do a recording from anywhere down there. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I mean, that, that's it for Queenstown. Is that, that, you know, back when we had COVID, it, it was a really hard place to get to and so tourism really really suffered down there considering Mm. that that's almost entirely what it runs on yeah for for a long time when the restrictions sort of eased off they were offering new zealanders or anyone that came for that matter Mm. um at least 30 to 40 percent off queenstown activities really that's that's a really good deal yeah a few of my friends went down and you know did the four-wheel driving around um different spots in queenstown it was 40 percent off i don't know if they're still doing that now oh damn i missed that Oh, now, now you've ruined my day. I was expect, I, I was hoping good news or something. I was hoping, you know, yeah. that I could still get in on that, but I doubt that now. Damn. But yeah, uh, Queenstown has, has just started to pick back up again, really. Um, we had a lot of people selling their homes for the sheer fact that they just didn't want to be dealing with the hassle anymore back during uh, the last couple of years. So now we're starting to see that it's all coming back around. Queenstown starting to get popular again, you know, with like Ferg Burger down there and the views and everything. Don't the forget mountain. the cookie time shop. Oh, yeah, the cookie time shop. Yum. So, yeah, so I think we're definitely starting to see that Queenstown is starting to pick up again. I know that uh, if our boss was sitting here listening to us uh, and she said, uh, you know, we asked her whether or not you should buy down in Queenstown, uh, her feedback is going to be, don't buy in a tourist town. Don't buy your investment property down in a tourist town. What happens if COVID happens again, you know? She's got a point, but at the same time, if you owned a block or a house down in Queenstown and you had a few like that, would you really be complaining? No. No. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't be. That's a stunning view and I would uh, I would happily live there uh, as long as I could keep my job. <laughs> I like this job. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's still showing that, you know, the rest of the country is starting to recover. No matter where you are nowadays, I think you're starting to see house prices are getting on the 
on the pricier end of things. But mm. I think nowadays you're getting a lot more connectability to the outside world. Um, you're still getting a lot better with your service connections. Yeah, I think we're finally starting to see at least a bit of normality in all of this pandemic news. Mm. Whereas the rest of the world, however, still seems to be running around, not yeah. sure what to do with itself. Which, yeah, I'm I not mean, sure. Uh, mm. I'm hearing a lot of news coming from Shanghai where they're, they're fully locked down everything and they just want to stamp it out. And as we've learned, stamping out a cold doesn't work. No, uh, unfortunately not. I mean, yeah, I think like you said, uh, Shanghai's got a lot of issues going on. I know China is still completely locked out to the outside world. Um, so we're, New Zealand itself is itching for them to open because we need their um, building supplies to come over. <laughs> yeah. We, we need them. Um, so like we talked about in the last episode, you know, building supplies are in short supply mm. <laughs> in this country. So, you know, we really need them to open. I think the plan is around November this year for them to open up um, at least for um, cargo and transportation of um, materials. Mm. People, I'm not entirely certain, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And I mean, looking at the global news, for example, I think one of the more interesting conversations or topics that's been kicked around is uh, this this US man is currently fighting with the big developers right next door, fighting with the big dogs on his with his tiny home. He's trying to go up a David and Goliath situation, uh, not because they're pushing on his grounds, not because they're getting in his way or making too much noise, but because they're killing his garden. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a sad story, to be honest, because this man has a, had a really nice sort of Japanese-style garden, or just a, a nice garden for that matter. It just looks like a really like lovely garden. Yeah, with you know really nice palm trees. He also had like a little koi pond as well. Um, oh, not the fish. Yeah. So the, the problem with this one is that um, he thought that the law could protect him where uh, the developers would have to build at least five feet away from the boundary line. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And um, as he found out, they could build right up to the line. And, uh, you know, the, the sad thing is it has killed his trees and his fish pond is gone. From construction, all of the waste material from, you know, the concreting and everything else sort of just leaked over to his garden. Yeah, and it looks horrible. I mean, some of the earlier photos in the article have just him sitting in his now destroyed garden. I mean, it, it almost looks quite similar to the way... Um, after a bushfire mm. in Australia, you know, when you get those major bushfires and everything's just burnt and it's black and it's charred and it's yeah. all just gone. And it's gone. just one man sitting by himself. Yeah. And it looks like there is something there that something has obviously leaked over from the construction site and yeah. just wrecked yeah. it. There's, there's obviously been a huge oversight and he didn't really know about it. And the sad sight is this man sitting in his destroyed garden. And it is a massive brick wall where the development is right behind him. Yeah. So it is, it is a very sad sight. But taking it back to New Zealand, we have rules around that, eh? We do. Uh, there is a couple of ways that uh, how it all works out. So, I mean, in this country, we do have, um, I guess, a little more protection in that regard. Um, say, for example, we had the Remuera development, which went on uh, earlier this year, which mm. I think we – did we talk about that? <coughs> yeah, in we first talked episode? about it a little bit. Yeah, we did. So in that case, you know, the development in that site got paused because the neighbours complained that it was too high and they hadn't really asked their permission to do that kind of thing. And in that case, that's where the resource consent comes into it. If we were to just imagine the same situation here in New Zealand where they're building right up to the boundary line, really, you know, getting close to his property, they're building these 
massive skyscrapers, you know, in New Zealand, that resource consent would really have addressed that before it had gotten bad. Because if if this gentleman didn't approve of them doing that kind of work, he would have had a position there to be able to make a case um, and say, hey, look, I don't like this. Your, your plans are getting too close to my house. Um, Although it's on your land, there isn't enough space between us. Because uh, with with buildings in New Zealand, unless you do get resource consent, you do have to leave a two meter trim around all edges of your property. Um, so does that, that include decks? That uh, depending on if you needed to get consent for the decks. So you could build something a little more casually, I guess. If it didn't need consent, you could build something which cuts up to that trim. Mm, New um, Zealanders love their decks. Oh, who doesn't love a good deck? Hey, it's easy. It's summer. You can't. Oh, well, when it when it becomes summer, uh, you know, it's always a good time to sit out there and enjoy it. But yes, um, certainly when you're building a house, you do need to leave two meters of um, of trim around the edge of the building from the the outer boundaries of the wall. So, you know, in New Zealand, if that was to happen here and he did, they did want to go all the way up to the wall and they did want to go as high as they were going, they definitely would need permission from the neighbours or at the very least notify the neighbours that something was going on so that they could at least try to stop it before it got started. Because, yeah, if it, it looks like in this case, you know, the builders actually did everything that they were allowed to do. Legally allowed to do. They'd done everything correct. Yeah, the sad thing is for this man... He just nobody didn't, told him. Nobody told him until it was too late, and the building's already right up against his fence. And I mean, uh, some of the earlier photos. Once again, you know, you can see that you can see his house tucked in between this massive skyscraper, and it looks really quite odd. It really looks like that scene from Up. Yeah. Where at the start, you know, he's just the um, he's just never sold up on his house, and he's just this one little plot. Uh, surrounded by all these massive skyscrapers and he's just got his one little house surrounded by all of his trees and then that's it. That's his whole property while he's being scraped. If I was this man, I wouldn't budge unless they would give me a very big price if they want to sell, if I want to Nah, so I'm vindictive at this point. Now that they've destroyed my garden, I ain't selling no matter how much money they give me. Like, <laughs> I've got a grudge now. I'm not selling. Um, no matter what you do, I'm keeping in that house. I'm going to make your life a living hell. Because he's got a big section too. I think it says he's got about 800 square meters of yeah. land. Yeah. So, you know, that's enough for a nice big apartment building mm. to work well, with. Well, it was obviously enough for a nice big garden. Yeah, it was obviously now destroyed. Yeah, so like, you know, if that was in New Zealand, um, yeah, I think I would definitely be the most vindictive neighbor you could ever have. <laughs> You'll be on that episode of Neighbors at War. Oh, 100%. I, I would be the, the, the person that everybody's watching the show and hating on. They'd be like, oh, this guy's just an absolute beehole. Yeah. <laughs> now, I imagine with uh, the new unitary plant, a lot of these things will start to come up and all the media outlets would, I don't know who they'll side on. And I'm not really sure where the general public will will have their views on this because three stories is no longer going to be, well, according to them, in the August. Plan, yeah. If this is implemented, then three stories is going to become the future of, you know, urban living. Yes, yep, yep. So, I mean, you know, if it starts to be that you don't need, no longer need to get uh, resource consent and, you know, have to notify your neighbours that this is what you're building, um, yeah, I definitely think we're going to start seeing stories like these pop up in New Zealand. The news is always going to go with the underdog, right? I mean, what makes a better story than David versus Goliath? <laughs> That's true. We're probably going to start seeing that as we go through our growing pains, li yeah. literally, for housing, as we start to go through our growing pains in this country, is that we're going to start seeing things become a bit of a, a tight squeeze for a lot of people. But in, in that sense, if you are one of those developers who you know, are wanting to develop a site 
that will probably encroach in someone's, you know, views or sunlight or their garden. Be nice about it. it your, your build can still go on if you if you treat them nicely or maybe give them a chocolate or, you know, a bottle of wine or whatever. A box of chockies. Yeah. Just make sure you're nice about it. Don't just, don't become the big bully developer like, you know, what the stereotype is for developers are. Yeah, well, I would like to think New Zealanders as a people would be kind enough to do that. Um, sometimes it's not the case though. Not everybody is is that kind of person, but you would you would really hope that they would they would do the right thing and just, just notify them. Just notify the neighbors and just say, hey, look, I'm doing this building. It's going to be some noise, going to be some construction going on. Um, just let me know or you know this is what's going to happen uh, it should only be a couple of months you know but coming back to the f- one of the first stories though i would really love even auckland to stay that you know this the, the type of housing that we've got now you, you mean know? a lot of single freestanding homes yeah. um yeah with a yeah. bit of a garden it'd be great to keep that i mean i think that's probably still going to be the case for uh, the next 10 years maybe yeah because i mean those homes are just going to start being further and further out Hey, but in 10 years' time, Keelan, we'd probably be down in Wanaka. Yeah. Yeah, or, or, in, or in Queenstown. <laughs> or in Queenstown. Or in Queenstown in my new property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Keen, I'm You'll keen probably on have it. another car at that stage too. Well, I hope not. <laughs> this thing's brand new. Let's hope it lasts longer than six years. My last car made it to its 21st birthday before it cr- before it got collisioned. Well, it wasn't so even his fault. It wasn't even my else, fault. So, yeah, anyway, so, that's a different topic. That's a different topic. That's getting sensitive. <laughs> I could talk on that for hours. No, so yeah, so, you know, New Zealand is growing. And I mean, I, yeah, I too would like to see everybody to have a bit of a garden. But um, I think as the city center starts to get busier and busier, we're going to have to start building higher and higher houses. Yeah. In saying that, though, um, a lot of people are leaving as well, uh, leaving New Zealand. Yeah, I think uh, I think there was a recent government announcement on that they have no intentions to try and incentivize tradies mm. to stay, <laughs> which I found to be really interesting. Uh, so if tradies want to go over to Australia, go work on big projects. Yeah, go it. for it. Go for it. Bob's your uncle. Go help yourself. Which doesn't really help us. No, considering we've got such a man for construction, yeah. uh, who's going to build them? <laughs> yeah, well... We're looking at you, government. Yeah, I can't. Anyway. I can't build a home. I can't build a home safely. I can tell you right now, mine's going to lean over and fall in probably a couple of weeks. Last yeah. thing I built was IKEA. I wonder if that's just. It's also like the economic status of New Zealand. You know, we, we're not that big, and we can't really compete with Australia because Australia's huge, um, and obviously a lot more uh, money is over there. Should we just merge? <laughs> merge with Australia? Yeah. I thought we were. A lot of Americans think we're Australian. Just, a, a, an just like an, just like an island or something like that, yeah. just a side chunk. Yeah. Well, I mean, what we do is we just build some, like the Harbour Bridge in, in Australia, but massiver. <laughs> and we just connect Australia and New Zealand, and there we go. A couple of gas stations floating in the middle of the ocean, yeah. and Bob's your uncle. Why not? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that'll do it for this episode, Keelan. Um, thanks for listening in, guys. This is our third episode. More to come in the future. Hopefully, we can do this every week, and we try to do it every week. Um, if you do want to leave us a suggestion or just comment on our general demeanor, if you want us to be funnier, if you want us to talk about more serious stuff, you know, let us know. Um, you can reach us on uh, Lucia Zhao at Finax. That's our Facebook page. So that's L-U-C-I-A-X-I-A-O at Finax, F-I-N-A-X. That is a song in there. I don't really want to sing it. Um, but that's, that's one way you can reach us. Find us on Facebook. Give us a follow. You know, do your thing. Kaelin, any outros? Um, I'm just going to keep recording until we find something uh, funny to end on. What about? Don't buy something stupid. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs>